Well, the scripture I'd like to read with you this morning is from the book of John, John chapter 9, and we're going to read verses 1 through 17. Again, you can follow along on the screen if you'd like, or if you brought your Bible with, or you want to grab one of the pew Bibles in front of you, that's the same version. It might be easier for you to follow along that way if you'd prefer. Hear the word of the Lord. As Jesus walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is still day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva and spread it on the man's eyes, saying to him, Go and wash in the pool of Siloam. Then he went and washed and came back and was able to see. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar began to ask, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some were saying, It is he. Others were saying, no, but it is somehow someone like him. He kept saying, I am the man. But they kept asking him, then how were your eyes open? And he answered, the man called Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes, and said to me, go to Salome and wash. Then I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought they brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also began to ask him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, He put mud on my eyes, then I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not observe the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? And they were divided. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him? It was your eyes he opened. He said, He is a prophet. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. So the power was out the other night at our house. Thursday night for quite a while. Was it out in your house as well? Yeah, and you know, things change. When the power's out, you realize things that you don't normally realize or you take advantage of. And uh, Gina was sitting with Peyton and they're talking about how the power had gone out. And uh, Gina said, well, you know, uh, in the old days, they didn't have power. This is how they lived all the time. And Peyton said, for real? <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, she's just at that cute little stage where just all of a sudden things are... Uh, things are becoming reality to her. She's been blind to some things, so to speak. She's unable to see these realities, and now all of a sudden, she's awakened to how things really were. She's learning to see uh, things for how they really are. It's really pronounced as we're children, but really this is something that we go through uh, throughout the entirety of our lives, the process of seeing things for how they really are. It's lifelong, even when we think, it isn't. We're blind. We're unable to see a lot of the realities of life. Amen? 
I mean, it's one of those things like the more you learn, the more you, don't, you realize you don't understand about things. I mean, there's all sorts of ways we could say this. We are blind. We're unable to see a lot of different realities, especially when it's outside of our normal, uh, out of the, outside of the routine of our lives. So just the other day or just a couple weeks ago, I started to substitute teach. One of the things that I'm trying to do to be more involved in the community. First, elementary school is exhausting. <laughs> then in the high school this last week. And I'm telling you, just being in those spaces, I've thought about doing this for probably five years or longer. But now just being in those spaces, I'm beginning to see things that I was unable to see before. You could say I'm, I'm being awakened. Now I'm, be, I'm beginning to be able to see all these different realities that have always been there. Able to see the effort that it takes to uh, have such wonderful school systems, to know the energy that's involved for the teachers in Paris, to, to herd the cats of elementary, <laughs> of elementary school kids, or to, to be and just sit, see and sit in a room with a bunch of high schoolers for a, a whole hour of time and just try and envision what their life might be like. You see, I'm starting to be able to see things that I used to not be able to see. Friends, each of us is blind. We're unable to see the realities of life in their complexities until something in our environment, until something within our environment or something within us changes. Each of us is blind or unable to see until something outside of us or within us changes. Now the man in the biblical text that we're talking about, he was literally blind. I don't think, I'm just looking across the crowd here, I don't think any of us have been literally blind before. None of us have had that experience. But this man was blind and now is able to see. And the depths of this kind of transformation is hard for us to imagine. It's so much more, so much more powerful than just all of a sudden he's able to see and okay, now I can do whatever he wanted. But he was a beggar. Something that none of us can envision either. He was a beggar, meaning he was also a social outcast. Someone that was looked down upon by others. Think of the shame that he must have felt as he's sitting asking people just for his basic needs and necessities. We, can't, we literally can't envision what had happened. But Jesus, somehow in His graciousness and in His kindness and mercy, sees the man sitting there and just all of a sudden decides to spit in mud and wipe it on his eyes. Now I'm just saying, would any of you like it if I said, come on up here, we're going to do an exercise. I'm just going to spit on my hand and wipe it in this mud and put it on your eyes. Would you like that? <laughs> Probably not. I mean, just to think about what was involved for this man. I mean, he had to know what Jesus was doing. And there's a level of willingness and vulnerability that he had to step into in order to receive the blessing of being healed in this way. And then he goes on and people are trying to help him to, to the, first of all, they don't even believe he's the same man. Are you the same guy? I don't think so, which makes sense, right? I mean, he was blind and now all of a sudden he's not. That's not a normal thing. But they keep drilling him like, how did it happen then? If you say you're the same guy, then how did it happen? People wanted to understand the nature of what happened rather than just accepting this reality that this man has experienced healing and is now, because of that healing, a brand new person. He even gets uh, dragged in front of the religious leaders, the Pharisees specifically, and they do not like the fact that he can't explain what happened. How did this happen? I don't know. <laughs> not sure how it happened. This is what I did. 
Let me read this to you again. He says this to the Pharisees. Just imagine this. How did it happen? Tell us. How did it happen? Well, he put mud on my eyes, and then I washed. And now I can see. I don't know how it happened. The leaders couldn't understand what this man had gone through, first of all, because their whole premise of trying to understand who Jesus was was to know all the things about healing and transformation and salvation and the law. They were all intellectual up in their head and what they lacked was what the the man had in abundance was desperation. That's probably why he's willing to put mud on his eyes and have, have Jesus spit and make this little concoction, put it on his eyes and go through the awkwardness of that. It's because he's desperate. What does he have to lose at that point? He's desperate for healing. He's like, what, you know, I might as well try it. I'm an outcast. Everyone is spitting at me and pushing me aside and probably calling him names. You loser, what's wrong with you? You beggar, can't you provide for yourself? I mean, the level of desperation that this man had in order to go and, and be vulnerable to that kind of thing, to, to be vulnerable to Jesus in that way is something that we just can't even imagine. He says again <laughs> later, they're just drilling him. Even his own parents, if you continue to read, his own parents won't say like, yeah, he was healed by the Messiah, by Jesus. Uh, we, we believe that he's the one who was sent by God. Even his own parents wouldn't say that, and so the religious leaders bring him back a second time and now he, gets, now he goes from being a social outcast to being kind of snarky with them. He says, I already told you once. He says, listen to this. He answered them, I've already told you, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Are, do you want to become his disciples? <laughs> I mean, he's given them attitude. <laughs> he was just so convinced of what Jesus had done. But notice that the man didn't understand everything about Jesus. He says again later, here's the astonishing thing. You do not know where this man comes from, but yet he opened my eyes. What did he ask me to do? He put mud on my eyes, and then I washed, and now I see. This man didn't understand everything about Jesus or how or why he brought healing. He just listened to Jesus. He just listened to Him. He was open. He was vulnerable. He was willing to do whatever He needed to do with Jesus and be willing to do whatever Jesus said. Now then the man began to see physically but also spiritually. And the more he told of what Jesus had done, the more he believed. In a climactic moment at the end of this passage, Jesus comes back to the man and uh, He's asking him, "Uh, do you believe now that I'm the one who was sent by God? And and the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped Him. So this man goes from being the outcast that nobody wants to be around, the loser of his society, to someone who is with Jesus and is worshipping Jesus and understands not how transformation comes, but instead that Jesus is the one who brings sight to the blind and who brings healing. Now, unfortunately, when it comes to sin, I'm guessing we're more like the Pharisees. We're blind to our sin for one reason or another. 
Most of us would like to understand the nature of sin before we change, before we say, yes, there's sin in me. We want to identify who is most responsible for our sin. But we can't do this. We can't understand the nature of our sin or somebody else's sin, so we end up stuck. We're stuck in our own shame or we're stuck in blaming one another. Maybe not today. That doesn't happen today, does it? Do we blame anybody else for, the, for sin that's happening in our world? Of course not. Friends, Jesus is the one who opens our eyes to see what we cannot see. Jesus is the one who does that. Jesus is the one who helps us to see Him for who He really is, not who, for who we would like Him to be. Jesus is the one who helps us to see and accept our belovedness in His eyes. Jesus is the one who helps us to see the battle, the spiritual battle that we're under and the effects of our sinful nature. Jesus is the one. The hard part is that we struggle to see our sin. We have blind spots, things that we're totally unaware of and unwilling to look at. We all have blind spots. If it's true in this, these small little uh, petty things of life, of what, what do I see at the high school versus not being able to see, what, what do we not see about our own sin in our sinful nature, in our unwillingness to allow Jesus to do something about it? We're unaware or, or, or we're aware of our sin and unwilling to look at it. It's so much easier, Jesus says this too, it's so much easier to look at the sin of other people. To say, well, they're the ones who are sinning worse than me. Or maybe it's my kids, they're sinning way worse than I am. I'm doing pretty good. Or that younger generation, they're the ones who ought to be in church. Or that older generation, well, they should understand that we need to change. It's so much easier to look at other people's sin and to say, they're the ones, not me. Lord, work in their heart, not mine. But we can't actually change anything about anybody else's heart or behavior. We can only change, allow God to change our hearts to awaken us to the realities. Jesus says it like this, Why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye? But do not notice the log in your own eye. Why are you looking at them? Or how can you say to your neighbor, friend, let me take that speck out of your eye. Just let me, let me help you with your sin. Let me take that speck out of your eye. When you yourself do not see the log in your own eye. You hypocrite, Jesus, Jesus says this. You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye and then you will, then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your, neighbor, your neighbor's eye. We struggle to see our own sin. It's hard for us. But friends, Jesus' desire for us is to be able to see all of life for what it is. To see the truth. Truth of who Jesus is. The truth of who we are. And the truth of what we need from Him. He is the one who can help us to see. Help us to be awakened to our sin. Help us to be awakened to the, the depths of goodness and compassion and mercy that Jesus offers us. He is the one. We, didn't have to, we don't have to understand everything about Jesus first before we receive from Him. Look at the man. Look at what happened. Again, He says, let me go back here to the actual text. Again, He says, He put mud on my eyes and then I washed. I listened to what He said. And now I see. 
He didn't understand, well, this is, you know, he's the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy, and, you know, this is what this means, and this is what that means, and so I think I'll trust him now. No, out of his desperation, he allowed himself to be vulnerable. And then he went to wash. He was willing to do what Jesus said, which led to a posture of worship. In other words, I think it's basically like the man is saying, oh, now I see. Now I can see physically, but also spiritually the man could see what even the religious leaders of the time could not see. Is that no matter how you explain it or can't explain it, Jesus is the one who brings healing. Jesus is the one who brings spiritual awakening that we all need. So I've gone through some uh, pretty powerful seasons of transformation in my life. Uh, 2008 was like the first of those transformational experiences where I stepped into the church and specifically small group and worship as well, but small group was a space where I was developing relationships with other people and hearing people talk about their faith uh, like in a vulnerable way, uh, serving, doing all kinds of things. That was a powerful transformational transformational experience for me. 2011, I gave my life completely over to Jesus and I took some, some new steps of faith. And in 2020, I've had another powerful kind of season of transformation. And I'll tell you, there's a, a few things that are consistent with each of these seasons of change and transformation that aren't just like, oh, now I'm a better person. But it's healing. It's healing of things in my heart and an ability to see things that I couldn't otherwise see. Now I can see the things that I couldn't see before. There's some common threads. You want to know what they are? <laughs> Thank you, Kyle. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> it's just a willingness. A willingness to be open, to be vulnerable, and to do whatever it takes to be well. A willingness and a vulnerability to say, I'll try these things that are in front of me because I'm desperate. Because I can't live with this pain anymore. I can't live with this pain of isolation and loneliness anymore. I can't live with this anger anymore. Any of you feel those things? I can't live with this depression anymore. I can't live with this unbelief anymore of saying, I don't really get how Jesus works. I can't live with these doubts anymore. I can't live with this fear all the time. I can't do this anymore. Friends, that's the kind of desperation that we, we need. We need that kind of desperation in our faith. And if we don't have it, then we have to ask, are we really living by faith? Or are we maybe just being like the Pharisees who say, we want to understand all the details we want to know how Jesus heals and how Jesus saves before we ever would talk about it. I don't know about you, but I want that desperation. I want to know that I, I can't live this day and this week and this month or this year without Jesus stepping in and giving me exactly what I need. But in order to have any of that happen, we have to go back and say that we need to be vulnerable. We need to feel uncomfortable. We need to be open. We need to be honest about what's happening in our life. I know that's super hard, right? 
It's super hard to say, I don't have it all together. Or I'm overwhelmed. I'm struggling. Or a family member, someone I care deeply about is struggling. But how are we going to be able to see what we cannot see if we always just stay exactly where we're at? Just stay comfortable. Have a good grip on all the details of our life. Those different transformational seasons that I've gone through, I, I'm still finding it true that after, the seasons, after these seasons, I'm continually saying, oh, now I see. Now I see why that sin had such a grip on my heart or why it was so hard for me to break out of isolation and fear and depression and all those things. Oh, now I see. Friends, Jesus invites each of us to to begin to see what we do not see through a similar sort of vulnerability and willingness. First of all, creating the space for that to happen, to be near to Him, to listen and to pause. I would just say it like this. It's, It's about time, giving Jesus our time, about the frequency of that time, about the space that we carve out, and a place. It's really hard to be close to anybody in our lives without creating a place to be with them. So why would it be any different for our closeness with Jesus? We need to create a space to be near Him and to listen. And so then also then to actually listen for His voice, not just to read Scripture, which is important, or not just to pray, but actually listen for what He would, would reveal to us, what He would show us. A lot of times I experience that openness and that learning or that revelation in small group when other people are sharing and talking. It's what I fell in love with in Lake City. Like hearing other people talk. Like, for real? That's what's happening in your heart? And it's stuff that I would have never come to on my own. Again, it's changing my environment and my circumstances so that I can see something that I otherwise wouldn't see. Openness is the key. And then lastly... For us to experience this kind of transformation, we have to be able to act on what is revealed. If Jesus shows us steps that we should take, like maybe right now you're feeling like, yeah, I should come to that Tuesday morning Bible study. Or, yeah, you know, we should, we should recommit to coming to worship as often as we can to make that space to be near to Jesus. It's one thing to have these moments of clarity where we can see like, oh yeah, that's a vision for my life. But if we don't act on it, if we don't allow Jesus to put the mud and the spit on our eyes and then go wash it, how are we ever going to be able to see more? We have to take that step that's right there in front of us that Jesus reveals to us. We have to take that step in order to see what's next. Again, the man says, here's the astonishing thing. I don't know where he comes from. I don't know where he came from. Yet, I can see. He opened my eyes. So friends, today in this season of Lent, I wonder what you might be, able, be unable to see in your life. What is it that you might be blind to right now? That if you allow Jesus to work in your heart and life, that maybe in two or three months you'll look back and you'll say, oh, now I see. Now I see how I was stuck. Or now I see how I was unwilling to Uh, step into that new life that Jesus offered me. I'm not trying to tell you what that is, but I wonder what you might be unable to see in your life right now. And I'm praying, friends, that you and myself included could have the courage to change our environment, 
to make space for Jesus, to be open, willing, and vulnerable so that each of us might say in a month or two months from now, oh, now I see. Now I see. Amen.